You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. We're here with Richard Moppy Jr. talking about the Long Acre Theater. Hi, I'm Richard Maltby, and you're listening to me on Jennifer Tepper's podcast, The Untold Stories of Broadway. does have a pretty interesting stage door. It has that long alley that leads to the stage door where mm-hmm. I know in yeah. um, current days they have like barbecues and get together sometimes right, in right, that right. alley. And- oh, but the big secret, it's a sec- there's a secret connection to the to the Barrymore. I was hoping you oh, would say that. It, it, it backs, <laughs> it, the theater backs up on the Ethel Barrymore Theater and um, the Schubert's wanted, I guess, Ethel or, or but whoever was, was, in, was in the theater. Um, they made a connection to the alley of the Long Acre so that the stars could get out of the Barrymore without having to face the crowd. I love it. Did you ever interact with anyone at the Barrymore during, or, you know, because you did that, you played the Barrymore later with Baby. Twice, actually. Yeah. Ring yeah. of Fire. Ring of Fire, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, it's my fear. Yeah. After these other theaters, all these other shows are interlopers. <laughs> well, did you ever interact with the Long Acre or the Barrymore when you were at the other? <laughs> the only way that we interacted was that, um, I think I may. I think that Lettuce and Lovage was playing at the Barrymore, and uh, with Maggie Smith, mm-hmm. and um, and the finale, and the applause from Ain't Misbehaving always occurred in that big climactic <laughs> scene, and it could be heard, and um, they, we got complaints from. Maggie, Let us that, and uh, I don't know exactly what they did, but they did something to 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 soundproof the back of the wow. wall so that we wouldn't disturb Maggie Smith. That's I'm sure other shows were grateful for that. I guess um, I would love to have. So I'm going to uh, read a story from the Long Acre chapter upcoming of the Untold Stories of Broadway, and I would love for you to read one too. I'm going to hand you yours. You can look over it while I'm going to share. Um, a story from Joan Shepard, uh, and you have a story from Elizabeth Ashley, and they're both about the Long Acre. So uh, Joan Shepard is an actor who played the Long Acre quite a while ago, and this is her story. 
I almost died at the Long Anchor. In January of 1943, when I was 10 years old, my father died. My mother was devastated. He was 48 years old, and they had been married for 20 years. We went to the funeral in Indianapolis, where my father's family lived. When we got back to our apartment in Jackson Heights, it was about 7 o'clock, and the phone was ringing. I answered it. It was John Farrell, who had been the stage manager of a big flop I was in that closed out of town, called Life, Laughter, and Tears. Life, Laughter, and Tears was comprised of three one-act plays. Eddie Dowling and Julie Hayden were in it, and the three one-acts were written by William Saroyan and Sean O'Casey. It had closed in 1942 in Boston. John got me on the phone, and he said, "'Where have you been? We've been trying to reach you. We're saving a part for you in our Broadway show.'" This doesn't happen. It's very rare. But I think in this case, they wanted me because the part was a great fit. I started rehearsal the next day for this play called The Rock. It was the most magical thing at the time. My dad had just died. My mother and I were not in particular financial trouble, but it certainly didn't hurt for me to have a job. The whole thing just took the weight off of both of us. When we were in Indianapolis for the funeral, I stayed with my cousins who had the chicken pox. Our family said they were over it, but clearly they weren't because there we were in rehearsal at the Long Acre and I came down with chicken pox. My mother made up a bed for me in the dressing room at the Long Acre on the very top floor furthest to the right. It was basically some chairs pushed together and covered in coats. Everyone went out for dinner break, including my mother, but I wanted to lie down and rest. The lights in every room at that time were controlled by the stage door man, so we couldn't turn them off. Before my mother left, she put her gloves over the light so the room would be darker and I could sleep. I fell asleep on the top floor of the Long Acre with no one else there in 1943, and the gloves caught fire on the light. There was another child in the show, Richard Leone, and luckily his mother, Miss Leone, brought him back early from dinner break, and they saw smoke coming from underneath my door. She tried to pry it open, but it was stuck. Finally, she and Richard wrenched the door open and found me. I was unconscious, and they dragged me out. That was at the Long Acre. Oh, what a good story. Joan Shepard. Isn't that wild? Um, she has uh, some incredible stories. So she was a child actor on Broadway and actually worked with Oscar Hammerstein uh, on Sunny River, the last show he did before Oklahoma. So I was very lucky to interview her. Um, and yeah, I would love for you to read, if you wouldn't mind, sure. Elizabeth Ashley's like story. A cold reading. <laughs> I love if, it. If that's, there ever was one. That's the idea. Yeah, so Elizabeth Ashley wrote, in 1959, I was in my second year studying at the Neighborhood Playhouse. The Playhouse took 75 people for the first year, but would only ask 25 of them back for the second year. So everybody worked like a demon to be in the 25, and thank God I made it. At the end of the second year, the students did a showcase for agents. I did some scenes from The Crucible, and I got myself an agent. The summer before, I had done a play in Westport, for the uh, theater guild called Marcus in the High Grass about James Dean, which was written by Bill Gunn and who had been Jean, James Dean's roommate. During the time of showcase, the theater guild was putting up a show called The Highest Tree by Dora Sherry in Philadelphia. A wonderful actress named Barbara Loden had a tiny scene in it. It was a cast of 15 and she had what you might call an under five, meaning that she had about five lines and understudied other parts. Barbara was this beautiful, unusual, strange, wonderful kind of actress, and Ilya Kazan wanted her for his next movie. It was a film called Wild River with Lee Remick and Montgomery Clift about Tennessee Valley and the Depression, and no one wanted to say no to Ilya Kazan. He was one of the greatest directors who ever lived and a very powerful man. He and Barbara later ended up getting married, so she went and did the film and because the theater guild knew me, they called my agent and asked if I could replace her. The agent I'd just gotten at this student showcase called me and said, 
you've got to get to Philadelphia. It was a Thursday, and I had to get to Philadelphia and start performances on Saturday. I went to the agency's office to pick up the two scenes I was in, and I got on a train to Philadelphia. Three days later, I was on stage. Then we were very, we very quickly came to New York, and I was making my Broadway debut at the Long Anchor. I was 20. The Long Anchor is a very straight up, is very straight up and down. There's almost no room backstage for anything. There's barely a crossover. I had to climb seven or eight flights up to my dressing room, which I shared with a much older guy who was an understudy. I had never been through the whole Broadway thing before. We went to Sardi's on opening night, and I had never been there. They stuck us in some table in the back, and everybody waited for the New York Times review. When it came out, Sardi's thinned out. A seasoned actor yelled, the reviews must be bad, everyone's leaving. And that was it. The New York Times review was bad. And most of the other reviews were not good either. But Eleanor Roosevelt loved our play, and at the time she had a column in the New York Post. The highest tree ran for about a month, just on the strength of Eleanor Roosevelt. I just couldn't believe I had a job on Broadway. Robert Redford was in the show, and he was only a little older than me. Michael Douglas's mother, Diana Douglas, was in the show, and I remember on our first day in the theater, she climbed all the way up to the dressing room top floor to welcome the low-hanging fruit, which was us. Since the highest tree closed so quickly, I didn't have enough equity weeks to get unemployment, so I started waiting tables in Greenwich Village. 55 years later, I came back to the Long Anchor for You Can't Take It With You, and I just kept thinking about those eight flights of stairs. Luckily, they gave me a dressing room on the second floor. When I walked backstage all those years later, so many things were different. Stage managers need dressing rooms now, which they didn't use to, and so many of the dressing rooms had been chopped up and divided into more spaces. That was a great cold reading. Excellent work. I would cast I'm you. Going to, I'm going to do that. I, <laughs> I think I should do that for, you yeah. know. Oh, that was great. Um, so what is it like? Did you see shows? Oh, by the way. Yeah. Because Eleanor Roosevelt came up. Please. When. Um, did she see at the Phoenix? Did she no, see? No, but okay. the sap of life. <laughs> um, the sap of life ran for six weeks. And in its, you know, fifth week, we announced that we were closing. Somebody knew Eleanor Roosevelt. And she wrote a whole column about how sad it is what? that the sap of life has to close. And that it's, it's such a wonderful thing and, and it should stay open. Eleanor Russell was the Rosie O'Donnell of her time. Who she knew? She was. Who would have known? <laughs> she was. I love that. Um, so I'm always curious um, if you remember, um, I think you would probably remember afterwards, but did you see shows at the Long Acre before Ain't Misbehaving? And I'm sure you did afterwards. What was it like to kind of return there and, um, you know, see other shows? Um, <clears throat> the, the experience of the theater was so odd for me. I mean, I mean, it was so much just a, a, a theater that, I don't have a lot of, of, of connections. I've gone to other shows at the theater. Um, it never seems quite like the same theater that mm -hmm. I was in. Um, you know, it's all, it all, it all happened so fast. I mean, we moved into the theater. Um, we, I mean, John Lee Beatty had written, had, had designed the set. I was supposed to start Tex on a Monday. They hadn't finished building the set. They didn't finish building it, and we didn't start Tex until Thursday, and there was a performance Friday night, and I had never done a Broadway Tech. Um, 
plus <laughs> the uh, general manager in um, Manny Eisenberg's office. I had told Manny, it's my first show, just get me the best stage manager in New York. So his general manager instead got me an ex-alcoholic, a guy who had dropped out of the business because he was an alcoholic and had decided that he wanted to come back and, he, and, and the general manager wanted to give his old friend a job. He did not know how to count to eight. Oh, God. I mean, he could not, he was lean over my shoulder and I would say, you know, it's one, two, three, pow. And, and he would go, wait, what was that again? One, two, three. Oh, no. And I thought it was me. I thought if I knew anything about teching a show, I'd be able to be clear uh, because what did I know? But it was, but we, um, as a result, the, the first performance on Wednesday night, we also had a great, uh, there was a reason, a, a union reason why um, Luther Henderson, who had been playing the show at the Manhattan Theater Club, uh, couldn't play on Broadway. You can't, a musical director couldn't be the orchestrator. Mm -hmm. There was some union rule. Um, it was quite silly, but um, but there it was. So we had the great Hank Jones, one of the great jazz musicians of all time. And he did play the show wonderfully, but he wasn't a musical director. He didn't know how to pace it. He didn't know how to cue things. He didn't know how to, um, uh, you know, breathe with the actors. He didn't know how to support. He just didn't know shows. Mm -hmm. um, so we did a dress rehearsal at... Uh, four o'clock we had to do a dress it was horrible and <laughs> it was a moment when i know that the director is supposed to go up call the company together stand in front of them and say it's all going to be wonderful so i called the company together stood in front of them and i couldn't say nothing came out of my mouth <laughs> i just said excuse me and i went over to luther's dressing room and said Get a costume. You're going on tonight. Oh gosh! And um, he did, and and uh, we went through it. The, the in that first performance, the light cues were just all over the place. I was so embarrassed, and uh, and it got it was okay in the first act, but as the show went on and we'd been sloppier and sloppier, it just got worse and worse, and and the show hit the last big, you know, finale moment, and the lights went out late. <laughs> and the entire audience leapt to their feet screaming, <laughs> and they just couldn't stop screaming. And I thought, oh, my God, they don't care about the light cues. <laughs> <laughs> Not when the show's that good. I, no, they just didn't, yeah. you know. And uh, so That's we amazing. had one week to sort of fix everything, which we did. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, I just want to say for listeners who probably have seen shows at the Long Acre or perhaps, um, you know, at least know about them, uh, some of the shows that have played the Long Acre recently, of course, The Prom, um, you might have seen Boeing Boeing there or the Lacage revival. Uh, interesting. I always find this interesting, but um, some of the people who've played the Long Acre over the years, John and Ethel Barrymore, Stocker Channing, Ruby D, Robert De Niro, Clark Gable, who had a very quick run there in a show that I, I think, you know, if you want to do some deep Googling about the Long Acre, look up that one. Julie Harris, James Earl Jones, James Mason, Zero Mostel, Al Pacino, Christopher Plummer, Robert Redford, and the show we talked about, and Diana Rigg have all played the Long Acre. Um, I know it's quite a good list. Um, of course, The Lightning Thief is about to play there, followed by Diana. Um, but also for listeners, just these are shows you might have seen recently The Prom, Bronx Tale, Allegiance, Living on Love, You Can't Take It With You, starring Elizabeth Ashley, Of Mice and Men, First Date, The Performers, Mike Tyson, Undisputed Truth, Magic Bird, Chinglish, um, Lacage, as mentioned, Burn the Floor. Um, so it's had, you know, Quite a few shows in recent it's years. Interesting, because have... the, the first date and Chinglish I saw, and I don't remember they were and in being that at the theater. Long Acre. I don't the remember Long Acre is quite different, and in fact, you know, in two thousand eight, it had a significant renovation. Yes, it's yeah. it's it's a much much different. more attractive uh, theater. <laughs> I mean, and in the late seventies, theaters were dingy. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were often uncomfortable. Um, they were you know, the lighting was. Terrible, and the, there were often you know beautiful murals that had darkened over time, and and uh, yeah, the Long Acre was was like that. It's 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 quite a beautiful theater now. It really is. Um, I want to know what you remember about the Tony Awards that year, because of course you know as you said it was a a rocket ship, famous <laughs> haven, but it was quite a year at the Tonys with um, dancing and on the twentieth century and Runaways and the act and you guys. Um, what do you remember about that? Well, obviously, not a whole lot. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, uh, it it seemed it seemed like we were going to win um, um, because it just seemed like that. Um, I didn't think that I would win direct, director because there's Hal Prince and there's Bob Fosse, <laughs> and I thought, you know. Crazy. So when they announced my name, I went up and, I mean, it's all a blank. Um, uh, the only person who's... The house lights are up when you're on the stage so that, you you know, you can see. I couldn't... But I didn't recognize anybody except Hal Prince. <laughs> it was the only face that I saw that I thought... I mean, it was like, <laughs> I can't have this thought, <laughs> you know. Um, and... Uh, you don't get to prepare for them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I did want to share. So also, you know, the Long Acre, there will be a Long Acre But they also, Linda Lavin gave me the award. Yes. And I, they, after you get the award. You can watch this on YouTube, you are, by the way. You are, whisked, you are whisked away across the street in the Sardis at that time because it was at the Schubert. Um, but you are, you are taken away. <laughs> And, and you don't return to the theater for a good long time. Sometimes right. you don't return at all. 
Um, so the Longacre, you know, as mentioned, I haven't had written the Longacre chapter, but I've interviewed some people. One of my favorite stories that um, I heard was from Terrence McNally about the Ritz, which played the Longacre. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently he was so nervous on opening night of his play, which did quite well at the Longacre, that the director said, well, just put on a towel and just be in the play and smoke a cigarette and walk on stage in the bathhouse scene. So anyone um, who saw the Ritz on opening night saw Terrence McNally as an extra and equity never noticed and no one ever noticed, but he was on stage which I thought was a great long acre oh, that's story. Um, I just have one more thing I'd like to read and then any final thoughts about the long acre or anything we've talked about. Um, so another show that I've heard about over the years that played there was the Gershwin's Fascinating Rhythm. Um, really? Which, uh, yeah. What, what is the... It, so that that show um, reimagined a lot of Gershwin songs um, and put them in new context and had quite a crazy cast of um, Sada Ramirez and Patrick Wilson and Michael Barres, who I interviewed about it, um, and played a very short moment at the Long Acre, but um, it was never recorded. Um, I've always found that interesting. One of those shows that, um, you know, stars so many people that go on to other things mm-hmm. that, um, you know, this is what Michael Barres had to say about it, um, specifically about the Long Acre. Theaters have their own personalities, and The Long Acre has a history of flops that precedes it. A lot of theater owners will reserve their favorite houses for shows they think are most likely to be hits, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's such a great victory now when a theater like The Long Acre has a hit. I'm just so happy for it. I'm proud of it for enduring, because it's through no fault of the theater itself, which is incredible, that it has a reputation one way or the other most of the time. I did the Gershwin's Fascinating Rhythm at the Longacre, and it was special in plenty of ways, but had a short run. I was one of those people who contributed to the Longacre's poor self-image, but I love the Longacre. I love what it's meant for decades and what it will mean for decades to come. Going to Broadway is like going to a park. You see all of these oaks still standing, despite the fact that there's been damage to the park around them. They're survivors. Oh, it's <laughs> like totally. The Long Acre's it, a survivor. No, it is totally, totally true. The, the the you know the houses are just houses. Yeah, they're just places where this thing happens. And this week that thing happens, and a month later another thing happens. <laughs> this one is a play. That one's a musical. This one is thrilling. This one isn't. And um, the 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 fact that the that the magic changes. That the theater is is a constant shell, and then these other things that occur, occur are just. Uh, if you have any sense of of of, of uh, the symbolism of the theater, it, it you know it 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 always it always strikes me uh, that um, the thing that you have that happens in the space doesn't alter the space. Mm-hmm. The space is there and then these things happen. I don't know if I've said that very clearly, but it just, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's part of the magic that I think never goes away. I love that. Any final thoughts about The Long Acre, Ain't Misbehavin'? How Do You Do I Love You? My favorite <laughs> musical. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you know, those, those are the, the major ones. I mean, I, there are any countless anecdotes of going backstage and 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 uh, um, trying to give notes to the cast um, mm-hmm. it, the, the cast you know 
we were just doing a show at the Manhattan Theater Club. That's all we were doing. There was no sense that it was going to go to Broadway Which or seats, anything. How many did that seat? It was this very small theater that you started in. I don't know. It wasn't even a theater. It was, it was a cabaret night, space. It was a cabaret yeah. space. I don't know, maybe 75. Right. And then that. to end up on Broadway. And, and yeah. um, you know, nobody had any expectation of it going anywhere. We had one week of previews. Um, and, and as I said, no, a truncated tech uh, with some really scarily bad performances at, at, uh, at, the, at the beginning the cast just the cast just came together out of self-defense they they sort of clung together and part of the magic of the show was this this incredible connection among all of these people a week after the <laughs> a week after the show opened and got all these reviews it was a little bit different was a little bit different backstage. I would, I would, uh, I would go back and give a, a, you know, a note to Nell, and and she would say, well, yes, I'll do that. But give, can you have tell Andre to do this and, <laughs> and tell Ken to do this? So then I would go to the next place and I'd give them my note plus another note which they knew had come from Nell, and um, and then I would get seven more back. So by the time I got to every member in the cast, I had five times more notes than I had <laughs> when I was going in. Plus, I noticed that whenever I gave a note, nothing the, the note I gave never got better. However, everything around the note got better. You know, the, the lines in front and the lines in back. So I thought, I'm going to go back and give a note about something, about the line in front of the note I want to have <laughs> And that I don't care about at all. It's perfectly fine. So I gave this sort of silly note about something, and uh, and indeed that night the uh, that not thing that I'd given the note about uh, did not improve. But the thing I really wanted to have improved got better. Oh my goodness! I got really smart. Psychology I mean, of notes. The psychology of it. It was really. Oh, they were they were glorious individuals. Yeah. And they, uh, I. I don't know if you, well, you saw the video. The, the, well, or did you see the the, the 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 reunion? Yes, yeah. With um, um, Armelia Incredible. couldn't come in, but Andre, Ken, and mm-hmm. and Charlotte. Now, forty years later, wow. Um, and the th- those three were so spectacular. I mean, Andre did every single thing in. <laughs> in Viper, it's just, and Charlene, who said she hadn't sung in 40 years, I told her, honey, if you want a career in cabaret, you've got one. I mean, you can break everybody's heart, because she's such a great actress. See, that's the magic of the physical spaces, is that now I'm picturing times when I've been backstage at the Longacre, and that at some point you were giving people notes in those very rooms I was in, and... (laughs) You know, shows. Well, it's it's will a very, very cramped yeah. space. I think, I think Allegiance played there, yes. didn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I, I went back to see Leia Salonga, um, and in what pretty much the you you decide to do when there are, you know a crowd of people who come back um, is the stage managers will clear the stage and bring people out onto the stage. And then the cast comes out and, and, and talks to them because of the, the the lobby area of the Long Acre is 
really small and it's got like two staircases in it, one going up and one going down. So you, you, um, um, there's not, not much room to loll around. Right. Um, well, thank you for joining and talking about oh, the Long Acre. Jennifer, I could, um, I, I just love theaters. I love that you love theaters. I think, you know, you just can't get enough of them. No, and, I mean, they're, they have personalities, they do. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, if anybody who started out with a marionette theater as I did, um, you know, you just know that, that it's a home for something. Um, it's, it's, it's great, and I, I think this project is spectacular. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to The Untold Stories of Broadway, and thank you to our producer, Dory Berenstein, and my publishers of The Untold Stories of Broadway, Brisa Trincaro and Roberta Pereira, Zach Zadek for that theme music, and thank you to all of you for listening to the podcast. You can buy The Untold Stories in book version on Amazon.com. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lin-Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.